Welcome to the Renewal Session, where mother and daughter therapists talk about reclaiming your purpose, redefining your relationships, and renewing your mind by combining therapy and faith. These two women of different ages, different perspectives, and different opinions tackle the how-to of transformation and share the behind the scenes on others who have done the same. Hi, welcome back to this week's Renewal Session. Katie and I are going to talk to you this week about coping strategies. Katie, when you hear the word coping strategies, what do you think? Um, I automatically think, ooh, which one am I going to do? Oh my gosh. You don't I do don't know. I don't, have a, coping I don't have a strong reaction. No, you definitely do. Because coping strategies imply you got something you got to cope with. I guess that's true. Yeah. I just don't automatically think of like one kind of coping strategy. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, in fact, there are five types. So I'm going to blow your mind with these and hopefully these will be helpful for people because you can Pinterest coping strategies. Did you know that? I, I think you can probably Pinterest anything, but I do, I do believe that there are fair amount of things on Pinterest about coping skills. Yeah. I've, I've definitely done my digging on Pinterest and, and found quite a few. So oh, it's a good right. resource. You started those uh, binders full of uh, different kinds of worksheets and stuff. Yes. Right? My treasure trove of, uh, of coping skills. Actually, I don't know where that binder is, I but you the digital version of it. Yeah, I went, I looked for my external hard drive and I couldn't find it. So I'm gonna have to do some more digging, but um, that would have been very helpful for tonight's episode. <laughs> yeah, that definitely would. All right. Off well, of my brain. Okay, so let's start with defining what a coping strategy is first and foremost, okay? So the definition that we're going to use for that is these are tools and techniques that you can use to help handle your difficult emotions, reduce stress, and maintain a sense of internal emotional regulation. I feel like that's a pretty good definition, don't you? Yeah, I feel like okay. that's pretty all-encompassing for sure. Yeah, so so we're, you know, I think a lot of times, I just want to kind of put this disclaimer out there because I feel like a lot of times when you tell somebody to use a coping strategy in the midst of being dysregulated, mm. it can feel like you're kind of blowing them off. Yeah, Do you feel totally. like that ever? Like, like if you were upset with me and you're like, nah, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden I said, Katie, practice your deep breathing. You would right. definitely fly me the bird. Oh, maybe worse. Yeah. yeah no, I'd be yeah. very upset. I'd be very upset. So that's why I, I want to recognize the fact that, you know, some of these are going to see same simplistic or at times if they're suggested by another person, they can feel like condescending. And so we, we're going to frame these as these are skills that you should always have in your back pocket right. uh, to pull out in times of feeling like overwhelmed, stressed out, and you have difficulty regulating your emotions. The challenge is that when we're dysregulated, a lot of times we're thrown into a different part of the brain, like fight and flight and fight. And then what happens is all the strategies go out the window. Right. right. So we want to, we don't want to only use our coping strategies reactively. We want to use them proactively. So that's why we're going to talk about them. Yeah, totally. They should be like a habit. So that way when a crisis does come, 
you already know it works. You already, yeah, exactly. There's nothing worse when like you're hyperventilating and somebody does says, you know, do some deep breathing and then you do the deep breathing and it doesn't even work. Right. Or like play with therapy sand. Like if I, if like, if I played with therapy sand normally, that would come naturally to me. But when I'm having a panic attack and I don't even own therapy sand, that's not a helpful thing to tell me. <laughs> well, I, there is no way I would be playing with therapy sand because I would have oh, really? a vacuum next to me. Oh no. Then you need to get that like kinetics that just like cleans. It's, it's actually very fun. Really? I recommend it. Okay. What's it called again? Um, I think they sell it as like moon sand. Watch the sales of moon sand from our podcast episode. They're just going to skyrocket. <laughs> That's right. We're influencers. Single-handedly. <laughs> yeah, we're influencers. No, but it's very, it's very fun to play with. Okay. I would, I would recommend it. Let's talk about these anyway. five different types of coping strategies. Okay. Perfect. Go ahead. This is very clinical. I'm going to give the memes and then we're going to go back through and hit them, hit them on their specifics. So the first type is what we call appraisal focused coping strategies. The second is adaptive behavioral coping strategies. Right. And then we have emotion focused coping strategies and under that, we have proactive, reactive coping strategies, distraction techniques, right? Mm-hmm. And social coping. Now, we all, I think, can identify negative coping strategies. So we're going to stick to the more positive ways of regulating ourselves and those tools and techniques. So let me go back really quickly to appraisal-focused coping strategies. And appraisal is exactly what it says. We're going to take a look at what's going on around us. We're going to try to alter our reactions based on our end game. Like, what's my goals? What's my value? What is it that I need to be addressing so that I get the desired outcomes of said event, whatever it may be? One of the times that this happened to me recently was I had some things that I felt like I needed to get off my chest um, and like work out with someone. And the question I asked myself that is appraisal focused, right, is will this change the relationship in any way? In other words, am I going to make myself vulnerable to saying, hey, these things hurt my feelings or these things cause me distress? Is, are they going to magically on their side go, oh, gosh, I'm really sorry, Marianne, that wasn't my intent. No, they weren't. So it wasn't going to be helpful to me to work through that issue with that person because it might actually multiply the issues, right? Right. So that's an appraisal focused. Okay, so now I've appraised the fact that this person is probably not going to respond to me in the way that I need them to, but I still have a problem. So Mm -hmm. I then go into that second level of like, okay, what, what adaptive behavioral coping strategies can I use to address my problem? Like, what can I do to take control? So I'm going to seek information, right? Right. I'm going to evaluate perhaps the pros and the cons and my desired outcomes. And I'm going to adjust my behaviors Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. Right. So, so I think we do those kind of naturally. And sometimes I feel like those, those strategies are, are used best Mm -hmm. when we actually aren't completely dysregulated. Right. right. We need to be able to have our cognitive brain 
working in those moments. And a lot of times what happens is we get overwhelmed emotionally and we actually go into what we call the limbic system, right? Which is oh, yeah. like primal emotion stuff. Yeah. So these strategies can be higher level strategies when it comes to solving problems, especially like maybe in a, in a workplace or things like that. Right. Yeah. But the most, most of us hear about emotion focused strategies, right? Right. And, and distraction strategies come under the uh, coping strategies or skills come under that. So I know that I you love, I love distraction. Okay. It's so one of my favorite coping strategies. So how do you distract? Well, I, um, I'm a big fan of Amazon <laughs> and I have an issue. Well, listen, uh, Amazon Prime Day doesn't phase me because every day is Amazon Prime Day. So I actually, huh? I said preach it, sister. That is the truth. Literally, people get so stoked about Amazon Prime Day. I go on and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. Right. Well, and it's all the stuff that you don't really need that's on sale. Mm-hmm. So it's like not, yeah. So anyway, my recent thing that I've been loving doing though, is that I like if I'm stressed out or if I just need to kind of remove myself from my daily emotions, um, I will go on there and use the found on Amazon hashtag that's like on there. What are you talking There's about? like, I'll show you that later, but you can go oh, no, on there. Explain it. Where is it? Okay, so if you go into your Amazon app on your phone and you oh. click the little settings thing at the bottom where you oh. normally would go to get like your orders and stuff. Yeah. In the top section, there's a drop down and it says hashtag found on Amazon. And if you click on it, it'll take you to all these influencers that have bought stuff on Amazon oh and take you straight to the link. Oh, and this- I think it's so fascinating the things that people buy. And so I just sit there and I like snoop oh. through other people's stuff and it's so like relaxing to me <laughs> i don't know why i, do I don't that know that i do that with that uh, um app like to know it yeah well i just like it's like window shopping to me right and so it's not like i'm buying anything you do need to probably be careful if you have a tendency to have an addictive personality or if you have a tendency to over shop i just need to make that statement but I feel like for me, it's like window shopping and it's like, so it's so pleasant because it's all influencers. And so everything is just pretty. And I just, yeah, I just think it's so much fun. So that's like one of my big distractions at the moment that I've been using. Okay. Um, And that kind of falls in the same category as like TV shows, music, right? Totally. Yep. So what are other things like you're super overwhelmed? You're crying. You're having a panic attack. Whatever. What what's a strategy, distraction strategy, are you going to use in those moments? So I think that one that people avoid that also that actually is very helpful is doing something physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people when they get overwhelmed by emotions will climb into bed or they will you know isolate themselves and just sit in those feelings. And so distraction can be really helpful. And one way to do that is to get your body focused on other things. Kind of like we talked about when we were talking about anxiety of giving your brain something else to think about can be really helpful. And so I love cleaning of -hmm. any kind as a distraction um, because the end result is good. I feel a good mom right now. (laughs) My favorite way to distract myself is through cleaning. Well, I love it because then at the end, I feel like I've done something and I've been productive and I'm like, you know, everything smells good. And, you know, it's just, 
I feel like just I felt like cleaning is a really good distraction. Okay, I know we 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 try to keep a time limit on this, but really quickly. But doesn't uh, doesn't your fiance read like to clean because of the smell that lingers after a couple days? Am I making that up? No, yeah, he he absolutely does. He likes to do the floors. He's like the floor guy. That's like his thing, and he loves <laughs> to sweep and vacuum and mop and so he likes the only reason that he likes to clean is because the fabuloso smells so good after he mops oh my god and it like it like lingers around for a day or two and he's like so proud of himself because it smells so good for a little bit so yeah well i definitely believe in the movement thing and you know one of the things that i try to notice and i tell my clients to notice a lot too is do a body scan oh yeah start to notice like okay this is a really interesting one. Okay. But you do the body scan and you particularly pay attention to your breathing. And Mm. there are lots of different techniques people could look up. Like, what is it? Four square breathing. Oh, thanks. They're complicated, I think. But yeah, what I do is I will notice my initial breathing and I always hold my breath when I'm stressed out. Right. And so or it just stops like right under my chest line. So when I, when I work on my breathing, I lay down, right. Mm -hmm. I actually prop my legs up a little bit. So my feet are on the ground, but my knees are in the air. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And then, and then I practice breathing all the way into my pelvis. And I keep doing that over and over again. I try to get the breath as far into my pelvis because Mm. I believe right? Like the further I get the breath down into my body, the more my, my whole limbic system, hmm. my blood flows different. I'm not so constricted. I'm reducing the stress, but it also becomes a challenge. Does that yeah. make sense? I'm like, okay, I got to breathe all the way into my pelvis. Oh, yeah. I didn't get past my belly button. Okay. Do it again, Marianne. And yeah. so that challenge alone is the distraction. But if you just told me to like sit in the corner and breathe, I don't know that I'd do that very long. Well, I just, I do that naturally. Like if you put me in a corner, I would be breathing. (laughs) 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 It's the intentional. Now here, I have a story about the four square breathing. Okay. I know that people love it and I am proud of them and excited for them that they love it. I can't figure it out. And here's why. The math does not add up to me, okay? So the idea of four square breathing is that you imagine a square in your head. You pick one side of that square, and that's your starting side. And you start, and you count four, like, you count to four, and you breathe in on that first line. And then you imagine yourself going across the second line, and you're holding your breath for that four count. And then on the third third count, which is, like, down the side of the square, you're letting that air out, okay? Or over four seconds. Right. So then what do you do? Like I now have no air in me. I have another side to my square, but I have to wait until I'm allowed to breathe in. Supposed to sit there with no air for four seconds? So my square turns into a triangle and I have judgment about that for myself. So it just causes more issues. So anybody that has... I can't even do my four square breathing right. I'm such a screw up. Right? Like that's like 
that's like such a fu- like funny thing to think because it's supposed to be a coping skill and it is for so many people yeah. but i like can't make my brain wrap around it like i just get so panicked in that four seconds well i get overwhelmed so, like i can like i can hold my breath like for four seconds like if you told me right now stop stop and hold your breath i could do it okay, but do for it. some reason do it <laughs> what you guys can't see is i've got her on zoom <laughs> Okay, that was like at least four seconds. But anyway, I'm just saying it turns into a triangle, the whole thing. So anyway. Well, so that's not for you. So that's cool. No, but that's to say to that, I mean, everybody has coping skills that are not going to match perfectly with what you need. So to find coping skills that are helpful for you ahead of time and be proactive about that. So when the occasion does arise, you are not trying to make squares and judging triangles. Because that is not yeah the other thing that i never hear talked about but i think is a killer one is what we call what i call appreciation memories Mm. and you know a lot of people will create some kind of um safe place right so Mm. when they become dysregulated they have this safe place and that's the memory they go back to right what i love is that this is in the same vein so it can distract you back to a time where things really went in your favor or you really felt loved or a sense of control, whatever. And you go back and you fill out that memory in your mind using all five senses. So you Mm. try to create as much detail in that memory as you possibly can. And just that action begins to cool that limbic system down and begins to move you back into the ability to think logically. So I love that one. And and again, I haven't really heard that very many places outside of trauma therapy where you work on these appreciation memories. But I think the more we even do that in a proactive way in our life, where we begin to look at our world with a sense of gratitude, accumulating these, you know, appreciation memories so that when a time comes, Mm -hmm. we can pull them out of the, you know, the toolbox, if you will. Totally. Okay. So now we've, we've hit distraction, but now we're kind of in this, it's still emotion focused, but it's process coping skills. Right. And I think some of those process coping skills really involve more mindfulness because the process that we're going to do is we are actually going to get ourselves more regulated. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you give me an example of something that you do that you feel like is emotion focused, but also processing focused? Because I think I would say that one of my things is reframing. Mm, Like I reframe the situation from another person's perspective or from the best perspective. Like I just start to imagine, okay, well, it could go this way versus this way. Can you think of like something like that, that you do? Um, I think for me, the processing, when you, when we first started talking about this, the thing that stood out to me about the processing is that sometimes there's not like a end result to, to, right. It's like an active situation. So there's no like real determined end to things. And I think that that can be an overwhelming feeling for people. And one thing that I've done to process emotion, but also to just like accept the emotion and sit with it and be okay and allow myself to feel that is I love 
like overlap journaling is what I'm going to call it. I don't know if people have tried this before. Okay, tell well, me. I am not like a big fan of actual journaling because I feel like it takes too long. My brain has too many thoughts and it takes forever to write it. But for some reason, when I, I'm like a big art journal person, I love art journals. And so one of the things that I've done is I've, I start out by writing normal and I fill up the page and then I rotate it a quarter turn and I write over the words that I just wrote and I turn it again and I wrote right over the words I just wrote. And what happens is it all kind of, blends together into this like mush kind of thing and I like to change up my colors I like to write in different sizes depending on what I'm feeling and so what what's cool about it is it ends up being kind of like a plate of spaghetti so you can't really read anything that you wrote which allows your brain to kind of enter into like the hum of just writing and getting yes. own and just letting it all out and focusing and accepting the feeling. And what happens for me normally is that I kind of just, I start off with all these really big, strong emotions. And over time, I'm able to talk myself down. And at the end, you can't read anything I said, but you can tell that there were a lot of feelings, if that makes yes. sense. Yes. I love that. I love yeah. that actually seeing your journal when, after a time that you've, you've done that. And I yeah. think it actually is like, really beautiful because there is there is a structure to it but yet like you said you don't see anything really specific it's not like you're writing a sentence you're just writing perhaps a phrase or an idea or a word or any of those things totally I think I think another one um is for me when I think of like minimizing reducing or preventing like things, right? One of the things that I do is I work through at the very beginning of the day, I kind of set a vision for that day, right? Like this is my intention for the day. I usually have listened to a sermon or I've read a devotional or I've done some tapping, which we can talk about tapping in another, another time, you know, but I've done something that has created some anchor, for my day. And so that's a proactive coping skill that I have. And that way I can resource that verse or that, um, those moments, but I just start my day like that. And that has been so much better for me. So, mm-hmm. so much better because most of my mornings were, I woke up, I picked up my phone. I looked at Facebook. I looked at, you know, the news, I looked at the weather, I looked at yeah. the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And next thing I know I'm on TikTok. I was like, really, this, this is a terrible way to start a day. <laughs> well, it sounds like, I mean, it's like you're putting your armor on at the beginning of the day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I do is I allow my, I give myself permission to be able to seek some kind of social support. I think yeah. our instinct when we're overwhelmed is to actually pull back sometimes or yeah. to just like emotionally vomit all over the place. So I'm, I'm really referring to regulated boundary social support. So, you know, for me, I've gotten back into the office after COVID and on my way to work now, I, I, I'm back in my habit and I'm sure she's thrilled to death. And if she's listening to this, I hope she is, but I call my girlfriend on the way to work and we visit for a few minutes and I tend to call different people, you know, on my way home. But usually in the morning, I just, I call this one friend, we talk and that just sets the day better too, right? It could even be you for that matter or your father or a a really good friend. 
And so for me, planning to stay connected to other people instead of withdrawing and isolating when I'm having a hard time is a key way that I, I manage my stress. Yeah. And just totally. stay connected. Cause, cause anybody that knows me for any length of time will tell you I can hit life hard and really yeah. run a thousand miles an hour. And then I kind of emotionally crash and I go into hibernation and you might not hear from me socially for a month even, right? right? And so the practice of continuing to stay in touch with people is a challenge for me, Yeah, for, for my job. You know, some of it's my job, but some of it is just, you know, the way I structure my life, it tends to be really busy. So anyway, I, I think that those are some really solid coping strategies. And I would invite everyone to use the final one. And we use this one in our family a lot. And so Katie, we're going to take couple seconds and tell people about this humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Humor is for, a huge I, I think, for us. Well, yeah. And I think that humor is a great way to diffuse intensity mm-hmm. um, and, and still allow room for that emotion. Um, but yeah, we, we, um, we use our fair share of humor. We like to make fun of each other. So like, for example, Right. So when I was um, moving out to go to college, mm-hmm. I was very emotional about that. I was very, so because, I, because I love my family, people. Okay. I love my family. I'm a good daughter. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stand the idea of separating myself from them the hour drive to go to my university. I just couldn't take it. I just couldn't take it. Stop. You are literally making yourself set up like the victim. I mean, no, the people need to know. The people need to know. Anyway, so I was just distraught. Okay. And it comes time to realize all the stuff that I have, everything is in the living room, ready to be put in the car. And I just lost my mind, right? Like the weekend before the weekend I'm moving, I just lost my mind mm-hmm. and like cried and was just wailing, like so dramatic. And I'm like, I just can't be with you guys. I'm just, it's too much. And I go to take myself upstairs in our house and I collapsed on the stairs because it's just so distraught. So we have this trend in my family, my mother and I specifically, where when I'm having an emotional crisis that is a little bit unwarranted, I'll give her that. When I'm having an emotional crisis, my mother pulls out her camera <laughs> and takes a picture of me and then shows me the picture of myself. And she's like, do you see yourself right now like this is what's happening it's called are you aware <laughs> are you aware that this is this is what your reaction is and i always am no i don't know what to do about it and i just lose my mind even more like you're a terrible mother and it's like this whole thing right and then i go away for like 30 minutes and i come back and mom's like you are so ridiculous right now like you are fine and show me the picture again. And she's like, but can't we just laugh? <laughs> exactly. That is so, that is so true. And it's What's so, so powerful about that though. Okay, I mean, I'm about pull it. me out of the ditch of bad motherhood. Go ahead. Right. So she's not that bad of a mom, but anyway, what, what's so powerful about that is 
I have that reoccurring thing in my life where I know, oh my gosh, in the back of my head, I don't even have to be with my mom when I'm freaking out. I will, in the back of my head, I don't think I've ever told you this, mom. I will think, oh my gosh, this would be a hell of a picture. <laughs> she should have done it on our way back from Michigan. I should have taken it. I know, that was quite the conversation. But no, it's just, it's so, it's so funny to me because I have that thought in my head of my reaction to this event is like 10 times what it needs to be. And so that humor of that picture diffuses that feeling a little bit and helps me kind of come down and realize I am off the wall, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I definitely think the goal of it now, certainly those picture things started way back when you decided you were going to, um, wasn't it like four? We're going to like, yeah, you know, no, you were older. I that. was going to run away. We're going to run away. And all you took was your headband that had the scarf glued on it. Oh, that was cool. And two American girl dolls. So you had to, you were in elementary school at this point. I had a blanket. Okay, maybe you had a blanket. And and I ran, I said, whoa, 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 wait, you're crying hysterically on the front steps. You've now sat and sat down because you were politely waiting. You know, some runaway kids just run away, but you sat and waited. <laughs> well, I got make sure that you were aware of what you were losing. <laughs> and I ran in to get my camera because it wasn't on the phone then. Yeah. So I actually had to like legitimately get my camera. Get Nikon. So Power I, I think over the course of your life, we probably had like a good 20, 10? no, 20? 20 pictures easily. You got the ones with me and the parakeet too. Oh yeah. That was a good one. She got attacked by some birds. <laughs> did she, did she offer to help? No, she left this little eight year old with 10 parakeets on her and a cup of food in the birdhouse at the St. Louis zoo and pulled out her little Nikon power shot and took my picture. Hey, listen, that was a good camera. I had to get use out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that little red Nikon. Woo. But, but you know what? For me, having, you know, created my own trauma, having trauma happen in my life, whatever, right? Yeah. Humor has been a huge way for me to work through things. And there is actually like benefits like health benefits to it so laughing will reduce muscle tension it'll mm. increase the flow of oxygen unless of course you hold your breath while you laugh but it'll increase don't worry i won't be doing that <laughs> so then exercise it exercises the cardiovascular system and it produces endorphins all mm. of which are strategy that there's there's and every one of these strategies we've mentioned, there's an actual neurological, physiological, physical, whatever you want to call it. Benefit. Yeah. Benefit. And, and that's really, so when we see these simplistic lists, we, we send, we see these simplistic lists and we can sometimes blow them off, but they're actually incredibly helpful, especially if you develop the habit before the breakdown happens really? or the emotionally traumatizing difficult thing yeah. that happened on Tuesday. So anyway, so that is, I'm glad that we are talking about this. I think we're going to come back on another episode perhaps and like just revisit like what are unhealthy techniques that we use to cope and why maybe those things need to be addressed in our lives. Totally. That would be fun. Yeah. Let's out ourselves. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, I think that'll be overall. I think people could just look at me and know what I do. <laughs> I mean, when you're chunky, it, it's it's kind of obvious. You cope oh with food. Oh my gosh, there's other things. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Anyway, all right. I love you. You love have you a good one. What are you doing tonight? Uh, we rented. Um, have you seen the Insidious movies? What is going on with you guys in these like films? We're on a scary movie kick. I think uh, this is like Patrick Wilson is like in all of these movies and they are so good. Like, I just, I don't know. They're really good. So we watched all the conjurings, like even the nun and like the curse of La Llorona, all the weird ones. And now we're onto insidious and we rented it two nights ago and our 48 hour rental runs out at 11 o'clock. So we have, uh, about three hours to watch a movie. So okay, get this. You know what your father's watching right now? I'm gonna bet probably Hello Dolly or Singing in the Rain. <gasps> Singing in the Rain. Is it really? <laughs> I cannot believe you just. Said that. I know my father. <laughs> Anybody that knows Neil knows he loves a good heartfelt, happy-go-lucky oh musical. I know he. There was a, a sweet moment we went to see Black Widow last night. And there was like this just, I mean, tiny, tiny moment of emotion shown at this dinner table. And he reaches over and just like rubs my leg, like, hey, it's okay. And I looked at him and I go, you know, I'm not at that dinner table. Like, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> like, like, he went to comfort me. I was oh, like, I don't need comfort. I'm just watching Neil. the movie. <laughs> Neil, what a guy. He's great. I love him so much. You're lucky to have him as a father. I am. That's true. He's the best. He is the best. All right. Well, I will let you go. Love you. I will talk to you in this format next week. Love you. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Renewal Session Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, we want to hear from you. Head on over to our Instagram at the Renewal Session or our blog at renewalsession.com and comment on your favorite part. New episodes are dropping each Thursday and we can't wait for you to tune in next time.